0: Hello med students, my name is Zach Olson. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. Before we get started, I wanna give a special shout out to Michelle in Virginia. This topic was specifically requested by her today. So I really appreciate you reaching out, Michelle. This is a great idea. I hope you enjoy. Now everybody, I want you to close your eyes and imagine. In front of you is an 18-year-old male He's being wheeled in by EMS. He's on a backboard. He's wearing a collar. He's got some dried blood on his face and his limbs. His t-shirt is all torn up. EMS states that he is a construction worker and that he fell from the second floor onto a pile of debris from their company's building renovation. So I want you to pause here. What do you do? Today, I'm going to give you the approach to trauma. Now this talk is actually formally outlined in a program called ATLS, Advanced Trauma Life Support. And for those of you who have not done any trauma rotations, the big theme with ATLS is that you do something called a primary survey, and then you do something called a secondary survey. The primary survey is basically represented by this mnemonic, A, B, C, D, E. And then when you're done with the primary survey, you move on to the secondary survey, where you do a head-to-toe exam and perform some quick bedside imaging. And so today, we're just going to start right at the top. We're going to start with the primary survey. A stands for airway and C-spine. Your first step in trauma is to protect the spine and decide whether or not you need to intubate the patient. That's step A. As far as the C-spine goes, you can dedicate somebody to be the spine stabilizer and hold it. You can put the patient in a C-collar. You just have to verbalize something on your test because you will fail ATLS if you forget your spine precautions during the airway step. And then the other thing with this step is to decide whether or not you need to intubate the patient. And it is so simple. Ask the patient a question, any question, because if the patient can't talk, They can't open their airway, and you need to intubate. Maybe there's damage to the neck, and that's closing off their airway. Maybe there's damage to the brain. Maybe there's a lung problem. It doesn't matter. If they can't talk, they can't open their airway, and you need to intubate. B stands for breathing. The next step with trauma is to focus completely on the chest and decide if you need to give the patient supplemental oxygen and place a chest tube. Obviously, if the patient is in respiratory distress or they're hypoxic or anything like that, you are at least going to be giving them oxygen. The real question with B is when to needle decompress and put in that chest tube. And so here's what you do you are going to do a focused exam only of their chest and of their trachea. You're looking for evidence of tension pneumothorax and hemothorax. If the patient has tracheal deviation, you are going to needle decompress and put in a chest tube. If they have decreased lung sounds or asymmetric lung sounds, needle decompress, put in a chest tube. If there's an obvious penetrating injury to the chest, needle decompress and put in a chest tube. That's B. C stands for circulation, and this one's actually really easy to conceptualize. Basically, stop any bleeding and replace the blood. But it's just not always that easy. If there's a pool of blood and it's next to their lacerated arm, okay, that's pretty easy. You just need to stop that external bleeding and apply some pressure. But the real disaster is when the blood is hiding somewhere inside the patient's body. And so what do you do? How do you find that type of bleeding? Basically, this is just like a quick decision pathway. If the patient is stable, you have time. You have time to perform basic imaging. You have time to get x-rays and CT scans. You have time if the patient is stable. However, if the patient is unstable, let's say they're hypotensive, or they're super tachycardic, or they have altered mental status, or they have pallor of the skin. On your test, that's actually an end point. Then you have no time. You have zero time. You immediately consult surgery. That's the answer. If the patient is stable, you get imaging, and if they're unstable, you send them to surgery. Now, as a side note with C, there's actually a decent amount of controversy still about how much fluid and blood we should be replacing in sick trauma patients. And the thought being that if we allow the patient who's been bleeding a lot to stay hypotensive, all of their injuries will clot off easier, and they stabilize. Whereas if you increase their pressure with blood products, then they start bleeding all over again. I'm not going to give you a definitive answer on this. I don't really know. Just understand that pushing tons of fluid into a trauma patient is not necessarily the correct answer every time. The next step is D. D stands for disability. It also kind of means altered mental status. And basically, you're looking to see if the patient has any evidence of brain damage. Look at their pupils and perform a Glasgow Coma Scale, a GCS. If there's any concern about brain injury at all, that patient gets a CT of their head, period. You are looking for brain damage. The last step in the primary survey is E, exposure. And basically with exposure, this is kind of just like a transition into the secondary survey. You are gonna completely unclothe the patient, get everything off of them, and then keep them as warm as possible. That's exposure. Once you're done with that, now you can go into the secondary survey. What you need to do is visualize and push on every single part of the patient's body. That's basically what the secondary survey is. You're going to visualize and push on their face and their belly and their back and their extremities and their groin. Also, a few quick bedside tests kind of fall into the secondary survey as well. Chest and pelvic x-rays are super common. We get them on virtually all trauma patients. And then the other big test is a FAST scan. Med students, I want you to listen right here. Med students, listen up. I can't emphasize this enough. Learn how to perform a FAST scan. Any quality clerkship or rotation is going to give you the opportunity to demonstrate this skill. When I was a med student in Ohio State, they asked us to do FAST scans. When we have students rotating with us at UT Nashville, we ask them to do fast scans. Learn how to do a fast scan. Volunteer to do the fast scan. And then knock it out of the park. You will shine on your slow. And then that basically wraps up trauma. Airway and C-spine. Breathing. Circulation. Disability. Exposure. And then that secondary survey with a chest and pelvic x-ray as well as a fast scan. Keep in mind that ATLS is kind of like a simultaneous team effort within the department. At our hospital, while one person is working on airway, another person is working on a chest tube, and another person will be performing the FAST scan, somebody's cutting off the clothes, somebody's maybe getting some blood products. A, B, C, D, E happens all at the same time, but conceptually and on your test, it is in the order I described. So just remember, follow ATLS. Follow A, B, C, D, E, and then do your secondary survey and you are totally set for trauma on your clerkship. If you have any questions or comments at all on this episode, send me an email. Zach at emclerkship.com. Z-A-C-K at emclerkship.com. I will totally get back to you. I love hearing from you guys. Let me know if you have a specific episode request and I'll make it happen. I hope you're enjoying your clerkship. Until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.